welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today, I'm speaking with Vincent Spadani, who is the president of the Consortium of Catholic Academies uh, in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. And he's going to come on and share some really great information about his faith journey as a Catholic and talk a little bit about his work uh, in the field of education. So definitely thank you for uh, coming on and sharing this information with us. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And so I've, as I've said in previous episodes about the necessity of having educators come on and talk about uh, the profession education is just so it's such an important field. And I think it's important to have educators, you know, share our wisdom and, you know, experiences and how we lift up Christ through our profession in our lives. So I'm mm-hmm. um, thinking definitely <laughs> Vincent is going to come on and do both of the, do both of those things. Uh, so let's get started with the conversation. Um, Sure. Tell us a little bit about your faith journey. Like, how was it growing up, middle life, and like how it ultimately led you into now? So, um, I was born in upstate New York in a small town, uh, Cohoes, um, about 10 miles north of uh, Albany, the capital. Um, grew up in an Italian uh, American family, uh, both sides, both my mom and my dad, Italians, and um, a, a very devout Catholic family. Um, Faith was very, very important to us. Um, When I was growing up as a child, it wasn't just Sunday Mass. It was novenas on Tuesday to St. Rita. It was uh, May processions, um, big celebrations of the feast days of the saints. Um, So those are my really earliest memories as a little boy. Um, Y'all were were living like liturgically then. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Your life, our our life was really, the community that we had growing up as kids was the church. Um, Not only because really it was part of the neighborhood, but um, also because really um, we weren't exposed to non-Catholic kids until I was probably in in college, really. Um, So for the most part, we grew up with uh, everybody that we was in our that we went to school with in Catholic school, um, in our neighborhood, well, on our street, everybody was a Catholic. So um, some belonged to different parishes. Of course, I that's Cohoes, small town, 13,000 people, but we had eight Roman Catholic parishes in the town, um, seven Catholic schools, and a Catholic high school. So um, yeah, it, I, it was, no, it, you know, now it seems so foreign that that could be the way you grew up, but in those days it was basically my existence. Yeah. And there were ethnic parishes. So we belonged to the Italian parish of St. Rita. And, um, but we really enjoyed the celebrations at the French churches and the Polish churches. So. Okay. So you've been a lifelong Catholic and grew up in a really, you know, strong Italian American Catholic home uh, with a lot of different, you know, Italian history and like uh, customs and stuff like that in your Catholic faith. So as you've been a a lifelong Catholic, uh, what would you say to somebody um, who is discerning the Catholic church or thinking like, hey, this may be a spot for me? Like, what's a piece of advice that you've acquired over the years that you think is important? Um, As I've said countless times, um, I rely very heavily on the Blessed Virgin Mary. And if you follow me, on social media, I close every night with some type of a devotion to the Virgin. Um, being a Catholic is all I really have ever known, but as I've aged in life, it's really something that I love. It's just it's an it's a real part of me, and I and for me, um, can't imagine life without the relationship I've been able to develop through the sacraments 
with Christ and Our Lady. So, um, time to take the plunge, maybe. But at least, at least, at least look, at least explore. But, um, you know, for me, who's who's been blessed abundantly um, by Christ and and really, really cared for by His Mother, I don't know anything else to say other than it's worth the journey. Yeah, those are two good pieces of advice. You know, the importance of Mary and like not just knowing about her intellectually, but having a relationship with her and the the importance of the sacraments are all great reasons on why somebody should become Catholic. So um, let's go to the next part of the conversation. Um, So as I said at the beginning, you know, you work in Washington, D.C., and you're the president of the Consortium of Catholic Academies. Uh, So give us a little bit about your, you know, role in education, like overview of it. Like what were some early experiences you had over some like sure. really good opportunities. I but again, you, you know, you entrust everything to Our Lady and things unfold very interestingly and beautifully. But um, I taught two years at, in upstate New York at an Augustinian parish in Waterford. Um, and then I entered the seminary with the Augustinian friars um, in Washington, D.C. So that's what brought me from upstate New York here uh, back in the, I guess it was the early 90s. Uh, studied for a number of years and then decided to leave. And when I left, there was a, uh, one of the priests, Father um, Anthony D. Concilius was his name. He was the president of the Washington Theological Union where we studied in the seminary. And he said, listen, I'm living at a parish in Rockville, St. Elizabeth. They're looking for a vice principal. What do you think? I mean, you want to go back to Catholic school? So I did. Um, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, I, I, I don't know, like I, if I had stayed in this um, in the order with the, with the Augustinians, I would have served in high school work. So as a priest, I would have served in, in high school ministry. Not many of the men studying to be priests were wanting to stay in education at um, other than the collegiate level. So I said, what, I'll go talk to the pastor. Sure. So I, I met with the pastor 20, I think I was 28 years old. And uh, they hired me as the vice principal of school, big school had about 450 kids in it. And, um, didn't know a thing of what I was doing, but you know what? I learned uh, a <laughs> the the You got it. Took a chance on me. And I kept my mouth when it, when I was in faculty meetings, I did a lot of listening because there were a lot of older faculty members that had an incredible amount of wisdom. Um, my mentor at the school was a Jewish, um, the Jewish art teacher, Audrey, who I learned so much from not only about what a rich a relationship she had with her, with God, but also about how to really be a master teacher. And I spent a lot of time with her. Anyway, those were really um, formative years in administration for me. And then two years later, the diocese came to me and asked me to take a school as principal. And um, there were a couple of options uh, of schools to look at. And the pastor at St. Ambrose in Cheverly, Father Finch, um, wanted to meet with me and so on and so forth. And then one thing, turns into another. And at 30, I became a principal of St. Ambrose School in Cheverly. And I was there for five years. And I had, um, number one, a wonderful pastor, incredible parents. Um, That was my first encounter with a non-white Catholic at St. Ambrose. Really, really, I mean, like, other than seeing non-white Catholics at, um, like, at the shrine, but to actually work in a parish predominantly an African-American parish where the majority of the children in the school were Catholic. Mm -hmm. So what another incredible experience I had, Mm -hmm. Um, again, learning and, and, and learning uh, different ways to worship 
in the African-American community that was really um, gave me so much life outside my comfort zone of what I was used to, which was really a lot of silence. Anyway, it was really, you know, when you're in the right place at the right time and you kind of know it. So that was, um, and I stayed there for five years and um, the pastor at St. Elizabeth called me back and said, um, St. Elizabeth's in trouble. We want you to come out as the principal. So um, at that point, St. Ambrose had increased its enrollment in a five-year period by, you know, 180 kids. We were almost at 400 kids. Um, so I said, you know what, I'll go back to St. Elizabeth. And um, I stayed there for 14 years as principal. Um, and then this opportunity came in the consortium. So the superintendent at the time knew I was looking for something in, in urban education in Washington, D.C., um, something very different than what was at St. Elizabeth. Um, and the consortium came up um, actually a year before I took it, but I was too, I didn't want to jump. I was too afraid to jump and make the move. And then when it came up a second year, the superintendent said to me, you know, this doesn't happen. This isn't happening for, there's, there's a reason this is happening. I really want you to pray about, think about it. And um, so I finished my, I'm finishing my second year as the president of the consortium um, where I oversee four inner city Catholic schools um, and basically from my, my office deals with the management of those schools. So from the academic programs to the finances, to the facilities. Um, so. Wow. That's a remarkable career in education. Sounds like Very a lot of time and a lot of upward mobility to have accomplished over the years. So definitely sounds really exciting. Um, so you kind of touched on this a little bit regarding, you know, being or working in, you know, the black community in Washington, D.C. and meeting the needs of the community. Um, obviously, you in Washington, D. in Washington, D.C., you know, you got the Capitol, legislature there, president, all that great stuff. Um, so there's sort of like a political backdrop behind uh, the work that you do. So I'm wondering, like, how do you incorporate Catholic social teaching uh, in your role as the president to well, meet the needs of the community? Um, I'll, I'll tell you, we have some incredible, incredible young principals in our, in our schools. Uh, one of whom is Gerald Smith at St. Thomas More, who does a lot of work with building up young African-American men in, in a faith-based school. And uh, talk about standing and watching in awe of, of things happening there. You know, really, when, you, when I approach this work, um, I think it's, it's really important that we the dignity of the human person, and this can be applied to all of the schools where I've been. But in this regard, when you realize the influence you can have in, the, in, in my role to ensure that these boys and girls are getting not only a great education, but an opportunity, which is what their moms and dads want for them, their parents want for them, to have an opportunity to get this good education and then to go places with it. So to really be able to um, give the give our boys and girls an outstanding education but also to give them some to give them tools really to realize that they can impact and influence the society around them i mean i think for me that's what i've come to realize is the most impactful part of our work it, the education first and foremost by far an education rooted in in something bigger than all of us which is jesus christ you know first and foremost and then to real then to say how do we work with boys and girls from the youngest to the to the ones in eighth grade to say, you have a voice, you can help to change the world. Um, the thing, things that are happening today that are horrible and awful, how can you engage what's happening? And then how can you help to affect change and be a part of it? Wow, that's really 
powerful example and like a powerful, um, you know, role that you guys play uh, at your organization and in, in empowering, you know, young men and women to, you know, be leaders in their community. So definitely that's, exactly that's good right. to hear. Um, so you kind of touched on this just now with the, with the previous question, but, you know, why do you think a Catholic education is still like an invaluable um, learning experience? All your years in teaching and moving on up <laughs> in the ladder, why do you think Catholic education is still such a, a good uh, field? Uh, you know, I think everyone in my family would agree how indebted we are to our own parents for providing it for us, uh, for giving us a structure um, that what we got at home was offered to us at school and, and carried over in school. And I think really and truly Catholic education now, of course, the problem is funding it. How do we make this all work? And how do we, how do we find the funds to do it? But, but the, the institution itself, not only, in my opinion, ensures that we'll have full pews in the future, that people will, this is what keeps people close to the church. Um, at least it's one of the major tools that major, major aspects of the church and ministries that keeps children close to the church. But um, also really what cat forming children, not, not only to be good Catholics, but to, to be good citizens in the world. And um, my dad always says back in upstate New York, now that all those schools are closed in the air, things are different now with all the Catholic schools gone, you know, there's a different air. And I, I understand that to a degree. Um, but I, but we do so much more in Catholic school than just educate. It really is. And that, that whole child's kind of an overused expression, but I've always seen that as part of my work in Catholic education. It's working closely with building relationships with, with families. It's building a community in your school. And then that community often, at least in my, my 24 years in administration, those parents, my parents too, their friends today are the friends that they developed in this faith community. It's powerful, powerful and impactful. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like a lot of transformative work that you guys done and still you express like why Catholic education is so important. So definitely um, I'm convinced that I, that a Catholic education is an essential need still uh, for us all. Um, so my last little fun question I'd like to ask is, um, who is a favorite saint or saints and why? I know you kind of touched on your devotion to Mary a little bit. So anybody else or you want to talk more about yeah, Mary, so that's fine too. Yeah, well, Mary's my Mary's my go-to all the time. I mean, you know, I used to say to boys, like, when I left St. Elizabeth, my last talk to them was all about, in the end, people will always disappoint you. People can't can have the ability to always disappoint you. But but our Blessed Virgin Mary will never leave you. That's never right. Disappoint you. Never. You'll never be disappointed by going to her. And I, a million experiences, a million. Um, so my next favorite, I have so many, I mean, I got so many. So I was one of those nerdy kids in school that was memorizing the Roman calendar in fourth grade, but, um, but St. Anne, St. Anne. So my dad has a very, very strong devotion to St. Anne, um, Mary's mom. And um, oh my gosh, again, many, many times I've, I've used the novena to St. Anne to ask for what, what seemed really to be impossible. Um, St. Anne's quite a, quite a woman. And then St. Joseph has been, um, in my work as a principal, whenever I have needed a teacher, like we're really struggling, what is, why can't we fill this hole with the right person? I have called on the intercession of St. Joseph. Um, and then the last I'll mention is uh, Philomena. 
St. Philomena. And I'll close with this just as a plug. So the story of Maria Goretti really is an incredible story of a young girl who wants to protect her purity and forgives the man who killed her. I think there's an unsung, there's an unsung hero in this story too, and that's the mother of Maria Goretti, um, who, who not only forgave the man that killed her daughter, Asunta Goretti was her name, but um, not only forgave that man, but was with him I met with him on several occasions, sat with him at the canonization. Um, I think the story of, I think that that's another woman I turn to in prayer. And if you follow me on my Twitter feed, um, oftentimes I have um, a lot of pictures of Maria Gretti's mother. I do feel she's the forgotten um, part of that story for whatever that's worth from this, uh, you know, <laughs> this okay. path, definitely good wisdom from uh, those pivotal players and I'm gonna definitely have to do some research on Moretti Goretti, Maria Goretti's mother because I never heard about her. So no. that, that's that's definitely something to uh, research. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing all this vital information about your faith life and talking about your career in education and why Catholic education is so important still to this day. Um, I appreciate it, and it's definitely been an honor. Really, really, thanks so much for reaching out to me. I really it's not been an honor to be here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you guys make sure you keep uh, Vincent in your your prayers and the work that he does uh, for our children in the church uh, in Washington, D.C. You guys can tune in to the next episode of Saintly Witnesses. Mm -hmm.